it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. All right, well, welcome to Killer Queens, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, (laughs) y'all. Okay. Yeah, that part's done. Yeah. Um, This is part two. Yep. So, with that being said, if you haven't listened to part one, you might be lost. Yes. You definitely will be lost. Now, I don't want to go around telling you how to live your life, but I think it might behoove you to listen to part one if you haven't started there. If you have, then let's get right into it. Yeah. Let's uh, let's do our trigger warning. I love that idea. Yes. Okay. We've got murder, child murder, domestic abuse, violent death, child pornography and sexual abuse, and suicide. So, big case. Yes. Yeah. And as always, if any of that is super triggering for you and you can't listen to it, that's totally fine. We will catch you on the next episode. No big deal. Absolutely. So when we ended the last episode, we actually ended on the morning that Susan went missing. So we kind of, in the last episode, gave a lot of background, some things leading up to her going missing. And now we're picking back up on the day that she has been reported missing. Okay, you guys, before we jump into today's case, you know what we're gonna do. We want to let you know about all of the bonus content that we have over on our Patreon. If you want more episodes, get the nitty gritty about our daily lives, all kinds of good stuff, then you want to check out the Patreon. You can support the show financially and you get extra stuffs. I'd call that a win-win. Yeah. So tomorrow our murder mixtape drops and we're going to cover the horrific Oklahoma City. So this is a super, super tough case. And We know not everyone can listen to it, but we had to do what we could to lighten it up just to get through it, honestly. So if you want to hear us totally drag Timothy McVeigh through the mud and call him every, I'm talking every variation of his high school nickname, Noodle, yeah, check it out. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of noodles in there. I'm honestly surprised that we need that many noodles. I know there's a lot of different types of noodles, honestly. Yeah. And on Friday, we drop our fifth episode of Worst Roommate Ever called Roommate Wanted Part 2. And we conclude the series with one of, if not the most, dramatic and jaw-dropping episodes literally ever. Mm. It will make you rethink roommates for the rest of your life and honestly just every relationship you've ever had. Probably. Look twice at, or look at them sideways at least. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody. And of course, Sunday, we drop our weekly catch-up episode, and we lovingly call it the T to the fourth power Y, some time to talk to you, if you type it out, like Kitty. Mm-hmm. And we just gab about whatever we're feeling, like whatever's going on in our lives. It's kind of like a personal catch-up with us. Mm-hmm. We've been known to talk about, I mean, what kind of things? Uh, thunderstorms, uh, salad dressing, allergies. Yep. What we did that weekend. Sure. Yeah. What we're planning on doing, like things like that, childhood stories, whatever Mm -hmm. we feel like talking about. And if you want to come along for the ride, join us, please. Yeah. So head over to patreon.com slash killer queens pod to join in on the fun. And if you also want to be sure that you never miss an episode, including our Spotify live shows, which we do every Tuesday, those are free on Spotify. 
And you can download the Spotify Live app. So Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central. We always send out like all the cases that we cover every week in our email list. And we also have some really fun personal stuff in there too, 90s throwbacks. So that's killerqueens.link slash email. And you'll be the first to know about all the fun stuff. Yes, now on to today's case. In the early morning hours of Monday, December 7th, 2009, Debbie Caldwell was waiting for all of her scheduled children to arrive for daycare. The weather was absolutely awful. It had freezing temperatures and snow. And typically, Charlie and Braden Powell arrived at 6.40 a.m. on the dot, but the boys were late today. So by 8 a.m., the Powell boys still had not shown up. And Debbie was close to Susan, but like most of the parents whose children participated in her in-home daycare, she didn't care much for Josh. Debbie called the Powell home with no answer, so she called Susan's direct line at work, and she still didn't get an answer. She then called the main work number, where she was told that Susan never showed up for work that morning. Can I just say that, like, Debbie is an, maybe not an unsung hero, because I think a lot of people appreciate the shit out of her in this case, but, like, she's not wasting any fucking time. Mm-mm. By, like, 8.05. She's on the phone with everybody. Where is she? Because this is so very unlike Susan. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we've talked about this so many times, but like people who know you know you. So if you're not one, some people are like that. They're like, "Eh, well, you know, sometimes they're late or whatever. But she knew that Susan Mm -hmm. would never do this. So Mm -hmm. she knew immediately to be worried. Yeah. And earlier that week, Susan had spoken to Debbie's husband about fixing their furnace. So she was concerned that something had gone wrong and that the family was possibly suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning. So Debbie had several children that she was still caring for. So she loaded them up to drop them off at school. And while she was en route, Debbie drove by the Powell house. She pulled up partially into the driveway and noticed that there were no tire prints or footprints in the snow outside of the house. She yelled and knocked on the door, but there was no answer. She pulled up the boys' emergency contact, which was Jennifer Graves, Josh's sister, and Jennifer was immediately concerned. She and her mother began the 15-minute drive to the Powell house, calling 911 on the way at 9.53 a.m. As Josh's mom spoke to the 911 operator, she told them that they were concerned that the family was unconscious inside the home. Quote, my son and his wife and their two children haven't, uh responded to anything this morning. They normally would go to work and take their children to the daycare two or two and a half hours ago, but they're not responding to calls and they're not responding to people pounding on their door and there's no tracks coming out of their driveway or there wasn't this morning, a little while ago when the daycare lady went over there. I mean, they're like really observant. Like, I don't know. That's like, because they definitely, they had that snowstorm. So they're like, okay, there should be tire tracks if they've left the house today. So they've been in the house since last night. Right. Police arrived at the Powell home after Jennifer and her mother arrived, and there were no signs of the family, and all of the doors and windows were unlocked. Police were equally concerned about the possibility of carbon monoxide, while Jennifer began to wonder if perhaps Josh had taken them camping, as he often did, and they've driven off a cliff or were stuck somewhere. Why is it (laughs) that it is a known fact that he's a fucking idiot? Yes! Yeah. He's like, Perfect camping weather. It's sub zero temperatures. It's snowing out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is weather that people could die of hypothermia, but let's go camping. And yeah, and bring my two very, very young children who would be in daycare and put them in a fucking tent. Right. Yeah. I know. And like everybody was like, you know, it's not unlike Josh, but they knew that in that weather, Susan would have put up a fight and been like, absolutely not. You're not taking the boys tonight. Right. It's too cold. Right. So it didn't check out. But of course, in that moment when you're like scared and wondering what could have happened, mm-hmm. you have to think about all the options. Maybe yeah, they just go camping, gosh. you know? Yeah. yeah. So finally, after just after 11.30 a.m., Josh's mom gave police permission to break a window. One of the officers climbed through the window and found some concerning things. Inside, the stereo was still on, set to a radio station, and toys were laying across the floor. The family's minivan was gone. The house was empty with no signs of Susan, Josh, or the boys. And weirdly enough, there were two box fans set up in the living room, and they were both on. One fan was across the room from the couch while the other was near the television. And police said that they were both blowing on the same spot, which was the bottom of the couch. They said that it was clear that the couch had been cleaned and the love seat had not been cleaned. 
There was a vacuum and a steam cleaner in the middle of the room. And Jennifer was allowed in to see if she noticed anything out of place. And she was concerned because she saw Susan's purse was still there with her wallet, her ID, credit cards, and money. Everything was untouched. And Jennifer said that it was then that she knew that her brother had done something to Susan. Mm -hmm. That is alarming. Mm -hmm. Let's say if something happened to Andrew. Mm -hmm. I don't think that my first thought would be like, Terrell finally did it. Hope not. (laughs) I can't say for sure. But I just right. don't you won't think. ever suspect it, you know? <laughs> no, but isn't that weird that that's yeah. like, wow, I knew it. I knew he mm-hmm. did something to her. I mean, everybody did. Like, we'll yeah. hear, you know, from friends. I mean, she wrote in that letter, if something happens to me, look at Josh. And it, yeah. if it looks like an accident, it might not be. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty bad. And Jennifer is the only member of the Powell family or the original Powell family that is sane sees the family for what it is, yeah. And is actually a decent person. Mm -hmm. His brothers, his sister, they're all garbage. The family was entered into the NCIC, so officers throughout the country would know to be on the lookout for the family and their minivan. While a detective sat in his vehicle outside of the Powell's home working on his report, Giovanna Owings, one of the Powell's neighbors, walked over and knocked on his window. And she told him that she had seen Susan the afternoon prior. So, after church on Sunday the 6th, Susan called Giovanna and asked her for her help. Susan had been working on knitting a blanket for one of her sons, and the yarn had gotten, like, extremely tangled. The most tangled ever. I have never knitted, but I have crocheted, and I'll tell you, a tangled-up yarn, that is the number one silent killer. Mm Mm-hmm. Of a crochet situation. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and this this was a wild, a wild tangle for sure. Crochet and knitting emergency. Yeah. So Susan was like, hey, girl, can you come over and help me untangle this? And she was like, of course. So she said she went over there around 2.45 p.m. She sat with Susan in the living room while they worked on the yarn. Now, listen to this. Josh kept the boys in the kitchen with him. While he made pancakes for everybody. If you guys remember anything about Josh, do we think that he cooks ever? No. And Giovanna said this was extremely unusual because she'd never seen him cook anything either. That's not what he does. He doesn't cook. He doesn't clean. He doesn't help with the He doesn't do anything. And keeping the kids in there with him, like, that's weird too. And he also... Like, normally when you make pancakes, you're going to pour the batter. You know, you, you'll you try to get a couple in if you've got a big enough pot or whatever, or you've got a griddle, or or you'll cook them, stack them up, and then when it's done, divvy them out to everybody. He would make one, go bring it to the person, like plate it, bring it to the person, then make a complete, you know, a separate one. It was like these bespoke pancakes, like, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. On the spot, each one, its own unique whatever. It's like made to order kind of thing. He was just making them individually and bringing them out, which Giovanna was like, I don't know, that's kind of weird too. Like, why don't you just make a bunch? Yeah. This doesn't make make sense. It's not efficient that way. No. And then he also loaded the dishwasher and was cleaning. Nobody asked him to do that. Again, very out of the norm for... Yeah. And he was bringing them their plates in the living room where they were sitting. And Giovanna was like, they never ate in the living room. They always ate at the table. So it's just really weird that he would be like, okay with that. Because he's usually pretty not okay with that. All of these things are completely out of the ordinary. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust? Or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So Susan and Giovanna ate and talked. And then pretty soon after that, Susan told Giovanna she felt really tired and she had to go lay down. She was so tired that she immediately had to go lay down. That's weird. That's pretty weird. This is around 4.30. Giovanna continued working on the yarn despite Josh saying that he was going to take the boys sledding. Josh told Giovanna that he needed to lock the front door when they left. And so Giovanna gets the hint. She's like, okay, he wants me to GTFO, basically. She said she cut off the tangled part to take home and finish. Good friend. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm not getting out of here without untangling this yarn. (laughs) Not happening. Right. I made a commitment and I will see it through. (laughs) So she took it home with her. And around 5.30 p.m., Giovanna saw Josh pull out of the driveway with Charlie and Brayden in the back seat. The next morning, Giovanna had gotten word that no one was able to reach the Powells. She tried Josh's cell, but she didn't get an answer. Her son then called him from his cell phone, and he would babysit for Charlie and Braden, so he had Josh's number as well. Josh answered, and Giovanna's son immediately hung up. He called Josh back at 3.02 p.m. and handed Giovanna the phone, and she asked Josh where he was and said, everybody's looking for you guys. And she's like, you know, Susan never showed up for work. And he said, uh, you know, he's just out. He'll be home soon. Bye. Nothing to worry about here. So at 5.30 p.m., Josh called Jennifer's phone. And Josh told her that he was at work and he had the boys. And Jennifer said that she knew that he was not at work. But wasn't he not working at this point? I mean, he's back and forth with jobs all the time. So who can know? But yeah, I I didn't think that he was working at this time, but I don't know. I mean, he lies about everything. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not he had a job or not at that time, he was not at his job that day, so. No. And Josh said that he'd taken the boys camping and they'd been stranded by the snowstorm. And he said that Susan was at work and Jennifer yelled at him and she was like, you know, where were you or where are you? And Josh said, I don't know. What do you know? That's weird. What do you know? So Jennifer tried to calm down, not wanting to scare her brother off while he had Charlie and Brayden, and he agreed to meet at her house, but Josh never showed up. So finally, Jennifer gave her phone to Detective Ellis Maxwell, the lead investigator on the case, and he called Josh at 5.48 p.m. and told him that he needed to come home. Josh tried to ignore him, saying that he needed to feed his kids, and Detective Maxwell, more forcefully this time, was like, you need to get here now. Mm-hmm. So he showed up about an hour later. And once Josh arrived, they found that he'd stopped at Little Caesar's Pizza to get food for the boys. And when they asked why Josh hadn't been answering his phone, he told the detective that he had his phone off to conserve the battery. But the thing is, Detective Maxwell saw a charger plugged into the minivan. So clearly Josh was lying. Mm-hmm. Like he always does. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, well, I need to turn it off to keep my battery, you know? Yeah. He's like, what about this charger, bitch? Yeah, exactly. What does this look like? So I know. And the thing is, Josh is a liar, but he's not even a good liar. Like, no, like fucking throw your charger out the window. I mean, I don't advocate littering, but you know what I mean? Like, make it believable. Exactly. Josh was brought to the police station for questioning, and he said that the day prior, Susan had gone to church with the boys, gotten home around noon, and he said that he did make pancakes for Susan and Giovanna. Then Susan napped afterwards, and he said that he stayed home when Giovanna left and was home when Susan woke up from her nap around 6.30, which does not coincide with what Giovanna said. No, and I wondered about that. Like, 
did he, because Susan's not in the house anymore. He took her somewhere. So did he leave? Because she was still in the driveway when he pulled out. Mm-hmm. Right? Or she was getting to her house and was sitting in her driveway. But it wasn't a long time after that. Like, Because right. what time did she say she left? She said she left at... Was it 5? Yeah, she said around 5.30, she saw Josh pull out of the driveway with Charlie and Braden in the back seat. So... Did he leave and then come back and she just didn't see him come back? Because how does he get Susan out? She would have seen him carry Susan out, right? Yeah, I have no idea. Unless they have a garage that he backed into or something. That's true. They did have a garage. So maybe he put her in the back. Because the boy said mommy went camping with us and she didn't come back home. Right. So we know he took her somewhere. Right. And maybe he, I guess he put her like in the trunk or something. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of stepping all over this episode here. Sorry, I just just wondering, just wondering. I'm just saying, like, we're going to get to it, so think those things later. So, he says that she had a hot dog for dinner. Then she took another nap with Brayden. And Josh said that he took Charlie sledding. He brought Charlie home. He read him a book. He put him to bed around 8 p.m. He said that Susan then wanted to get up and clean the couch. She wanted him to clean the couch. At 10 p.m. on a Sunday night to, quote, get rid of all of the kids' goobers and stuff. I'm assuming that means boogers. I'm guessing. So he said that he used the rug doctor and set up the fans to dry the couch after cleaning it. And he said that he then used the boys or took the boys on a spur of the moment camping trip and that Susan was okay with it. Lies, 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 lies. Also, he would not have been the one to clean the fucking couch. Absolutely not. unless she was completely incapacitated or dead. And I'm sure he would have been like, we'll just wait until she's not incapacitated or dead anymore. Like, I'm not doing this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the thing is, it's like, Okay, so he takes them on this impromptu camping trip, right? Again, I can't stress this enough. Snowstorm in Utah. Pretty bad one. Yeah. In December. Mm-hmm. At 10 p.m. After 10 p.m. The kids are already in bed. He there. wakes them up to yes. take them camping. It no. is Sunday night. Everybody has to go to school and work the next day. Why? Yeah, but you know, remember in his voicemail when he does call Susan to try to give like that alibi voicemail the the morning that she's going missing, like Monday at some point or whatever. Yeah. He's like, hey, Susan, um, we're on the way back. Oh, I mean, I totally goofed. I, I don't know how I missed today, but I thought today was Sunday and it's Monday. My bad. I guess you're at work then, aren't you? Okay, see you later. I'll come pick you up. Like, mm-hmm. He says in the voicemail, whoopsie, I goofed. I thought today was Sunday. Like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You know she went to church yesterday. Like, shut up. Exactly. All I want to do is have some fun. I got a feeling I'm not the only one. Should I clap? Oh. Sure. But okay. I was, I was getting into it. Okay. Yeah. I, and I love that you were. But before I do that, yeah. I got to talk about stress. Oh, I know. Because guess what? That can ruin a good time. And unfortunately, stress is just a regular feature of daily life. And sometimes when things get more hectic, like when you have to, you know, go to a bazillion kids sport events, or it's hotter than Hades and you have to take your dog out to potty, but they can't find the perfect spot to do the business. Mm -hmm. Stress can trigger physical reactions like dramatically increased hair shedding and thinning. And the thing is, people lose about 50% of their total hair before they even notice an increase in shedding. But now... There's a way to stop stress-related hair loss in its tracks and spark new, stronger growth. Pros specializes in custom hair care, and now they also make custom hair supplements to help reduce excess shedding and spark fuller, thicker hair growth with just two capsules a day. Through an online consultation, Pros customizes your supplements to address all the factors that could be triggering your hair issues like age, hormonal changes, stress levels, diet, and more. Pro supplements use only natural, clean, safe ingredients, not drugs or hormone disruptors. All formulas are toxicologist approved, gluten-free, and vegan, and they seriously work. Multiple studies show that over 90% of women taking Pro's hair supplements saw less shedding, more growth, and improved overall appearance in just 90 days. Amazing. Try your own custom hair supplements and you'll get 15% off. Get yours at pros.com slash queens. That's pros, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash queens for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off custom hair supplements. 
Hey y'all, did you know that we release an update all about us and what we're up to each week on our Patreon? It's called T to the fourth power Y, which is some time to talk to you, a nod to not another teen movie. Mm-hmm. And it's where we just gal pal with you about life, what we're watching, our love for Cracker Barrel Italian dressing. I mean, honestly, the sky's the limit. You never know what you're going to get, really. Mm -mm. If you want to catch an episode without being a patron, you are in luck. Just head over to killerqueens.link slash T-T-T-T-Y. Okay, time to talk to you. Four T's and a Y. And you'll get to hear a full episode for free. And you can get these episodes every single week along with every single regular release episode ad-free for as little as $3 a month. That's less than half the price of the coffee I get at Starbucks, so... I know. That's crazy. I know. What a deal. Mm-hmm. And for $10 a month, you get all that plus our other two Patreon-exclusive shows, Murder Mixtapes, which is a full bonus case each week. Recent cases are Tara Grinstead, Hannah Cornelius, and New York Body Snatchers, just to name a few. And you also get our other Patreon-exclusive show, Doc Jams, which is where we cover true crime documentaries episode by episode. We've done... Don't Fuck With Cats. We've done Crime Scene on Netflix. They have Cecil Hotel and Times Square Killer. We've done The Jinx. We've done so many more. So be sure to head to killerqueens.link slash T-T-T-T-Y to get your free episode and hundreds more episodes to download right now and binge when you become a member of our Patreon community. So he vaguely describes the route that he took that night to Detective Maxwell. And most of Josh's answers at this point are, I don't know, or he uses his kids to avoid answering questions. Yeah. He was adamant that the children come with him to his interview with the police. He wouldn't leave them with anybody. He wouldn't Uh -uh. leave them with his family or anything. He wouldn't let them sit with the... uh, The child... Yeah, the child people or or whatever. Yeah. He wanted them in there for for that very reason, just to avoid answering questions. Absolutely. And so since he said that he mixed up his days, right? He said that he'd only realized it that morning. And they only had one car, the Powells. Susan and Josh shared a car. So, But Josh could not explain how Susan would have gotten to work if he had been camping and had the car, the only car. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. She just got there. Right. I mean, in the past, she had ridden her bike, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if she still had the bike or if they're like, well, she didn't leave the house because there's no tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No idea. Josh gave detectives permission to search his van and they found notes full of camping supplies or totes, excuse me, not notes. Yeah. They, notes? He just had notes and it just said camping supplies on it. <laughs> and there was like 50 of them. And he was like yeah. camping supplies. Some of them are in cursive. Some of them are in block letters. Like... <laughs> All kinds Bubble of Bubble letters. Yeah, there yes. You go. Yes. Idiot. Just camp. Shut up. <laughs> Camping supplies. Yes. Yeah. And there was a queen size comforter, a tarp, a shovel, and a rake. Why do you need a tarp and a shovel and a rake? I'm glad you asked. Thank you. It's a really good way to dispose of a body oh. should you need to. Okay. And that's yeah. just standard camping equipment. Carla, check the notes. It's on the well, notes. Okay. All right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It's all over the notes. All the notes. <laughs> the notes could not be more clear. That's true. That's true. Camping supplies. Camping supplies. Yes. So there was also a heavy-duty extension cord, an electric circular saw, a Why box cutter. Why do you need that? I'm sorry. A box cutter, a handsaw, and a five-gallon plastic gas can and a gas-powered generator. So they looked through the center console and were surprised to find a pink razor flip phone in the bottom. And this is Susan's phone. She had the best phone. But the thing is, it's like, he can't be like, oh, yeah, this is my phone. Like, Josh is not the kind of guy that's going to have a pink razor. Exactly. And like, it was, it was known that it was Susan's phone. If she went to work that day, why the fuck would her phone be in the center console of that van? Her purse was still at home. Mm-hmm. It was everything, all the contents minus the cell phone in it. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, Josh was like, I had no idea I had her phone. That's crazy. And he was like, well, okay, I, okay, I borrowed it earlier because I needed some phone numbers out of it. So I, I must have just... Must have just kept it on accident, but I didn't realize it. Honest mistake, honest mistake. And Maxwell is like, your fucking bullshit is not flying here. 
girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Can't bullshit a bullshitter. Nope. Cannot bullshit a bullshitter. So they found that Josh had called Susan's cell phone that was in the car with him Mm -hmm. after Jennifer had spoken to him on the phone and told told him that they couldn't reach her at work. And he left a voicemail on her phone saying that he mixed up the days, right? That's when he says this. And he's like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I can't believe I goofed. This is crazy. I am so sorry that I didn't pick you up at work. Yeah, I guess at this point, you've already gotten a ride or something. Like, he already knows that she didn't go to work. Yeah. Are you even trying? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, if you're going to be so, if you're going to do this kind of thing, which you should not, if it has to happen, if he's going to do this, make it believable. Do it right. Like, he's, and thank God, but he's just so damn bad at it. Mm-hmm. It's I'm just ridiculous. fucking ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. He's an idiot. He's a prick. Oh. Yes, well, he, is. he is. I'm sorry. He, he is. is. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. So a child specialist interviews Charlie. Now, he was four years old at the time, but he gave police an important piece of information. When he was asked who he went camping with, he said his dad, his mom, and his little brother. And Susan's friend said, despite the fact that Josh did do spontaneous things like this, again, she would never let him take a camping trip in the middle of the night during a snowstorm with the kids. Just absolutely not. Especially, I mean, everybody knows once you put your kids down for the night, that's it. Right? Like, you why don't would go you fucking them wake them up? up? Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to wake them up. I mean, when we go like to Florida every year for our beach trip, we put them to bed a little bit, um, well, I guess regular time. We do get them out of bed at two or three because we'll leave then, but that's because they will then fall back asleep in the car because we have an eight-hour drive. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to not do an eight-hour drive during the day with them both sitting back there being like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? When are we yeah. going to be there? When are we, you know? Jesse's looking at me. Ben's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. Somebody touched me. He's got the toy I want. Yeah, so they will go back to sleep till like, six or so. So we at least get a few hours of them being quiet and we're halfway there, you know, then we only have four more hours. That's the only time we would do that, but that's not, I think it what took him like an hour to get to where he was going, but like, you're not going to freaking do that. You're just not, you, you would go a different day. You'd be like, you know, once the kids go to bed, well, I guess we missed today. We're not going to be able to go camping. Also, the weather is shit. You're not going to go camping anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. It just does not add up. It doesn't make any sense. And he, like, legit thought people were going to just buy that and be like, oh, he wasn't here. He couldn't have done anything to her. She must have gone to work and disappeared. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence that she was still in that house. Mm-mm. Take her purse, you fucking idiot. Right. Anyway, I just hate him. Of course you do. Police did not have enough probable cause or physical evidence to serve a search warrant on the Powell home or to arrest Josh. But nobody believed his story. And unfortunately, because they did not get a search warrant, and this is something that that police department has come under fire for, for sure, this gave Josh time to dispose of things. He burned some kind of a metal object to the point that to this day, still nobody knows what the hell it was. There's no way to know what it was. He placed several bags into the garbage the day after Susan disappeared. The next morning, neighbors saw him pulling his minivan out of the garage, opening all the doors, cleaning and vacuuming it meticulously. And remember who we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. He don't clean this shit. Is Josh pa- yeah, he does not clean. No. And Jennifer said she saw him grabbing piles of towels all over the house and washing them like like feverishly, like running around the house and being like, oh, I got to wash these. Oh, I got to get you like. Well, she said in the 2020, she was like, uh, he was just like, you know, frantically washing these towels. And she was like, Josh, you have to go meet the detectives. Like you need to quit. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can do this later. You need to go because you're supposed to go back. Yeah. I mean, there. And again, again, he doesn't clean stuff. So if he thinks Susan's coming back, he's going to leave that shit for her to handle. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. On December 8th, Josh was interviewed again by detectives, and he became defensive, saying that he didn't remember what they did between 6 p.m. and bedtime that night. (sighs) Just no memory of it. This is a couple days later, Mm -hmm. and you don't remember what happened before your insane camping trip 
during a snowstorm. Right. Like you've got no memory of it. And it happens to be the same night that your wife goes missing. The last night that you saw your wife, don't you think you would remember what you guys did? I don't Something? Know. Yeah. And he's just like, mm, I don't know. He had no urgency in looking for Susan. He never asked any questions about what were they doing or anything. They asked him, have you been out looking for her? And he's like, well, I really haven't had a chance. So I've been pretty covered up. I have the boys, you know, so I I haven't been able to look for her. That is some bullshit. This is your wife, the mother of your children, and you cannot even care less that she's missing. No. You're like, well, she turns up, she turns up. I don't know. And like, I could understand if, you know, you as a spouse are like, I feel like I need to be at the house. Just in case she calls or comes back. In case she calls or or comes back or whatever. But you would be relaying information to your family. And I really would think that you would ask the police when you are being interrogated or, uh, you know, questioned, what are you guys doing to find her? Yeah. Yeah. Where have you been looking? What have you been doing? Like, you have any leads? Do you have any updates? Exactly. You, Because you could still, you could make flyers while you're at home. You could be calling people and being like, hey, you know, can you check here? Can you check here? Like thinking of everywhere to send them out if you, for whatever reason, feel like you need to be at home. Again, like this is not the 70s. He could have gone out and looked and, you know, she could call his cell phone if she was going to call. But if that's the case, or if you're like, I don't have anybody to babysit the kids, like whatever. But there are plenty of people. I mean, they went to a daycare. He could have left him with Debbie and he could have been out for eight hours every day searching. Mm-hmm. Because you know that guy don't have no job. Nope. He ain't doing shit else. When Maxwell asked Josh where he thought they should look, he said, hmm, beauty supply? I don't think she'd be there, but she likes them. <laughs> well, she's moved into the beauty supply store now? Right. This is days that she's been missing. And he's like, oh, I got it. Have you checked Sally Beauty? Yeah. She's probably asleep in a closet in there. Right. What are you talking about? Check aisle six. Like, what? Fuck off. Charlie was being interviewed again as well. And he told the child specialist that they went to Dinosaur National Park. He said that his mom stayed at the park and that she stayed where the crystals are. And Josh was like, so they ask him, they're like, you know, your child is telling our, you know, child investigator or whatever that Susan was with you camping. And he's like, what? He knows she wasn't with us. And he's like, well, he says that she went with you and she didn't come back. And he's like, well, my kids are like, my kids lie sometimes. And he's like, well, so you, you think your kid is a liar? And he's like, no. But he does lie sometimes. Susan was not with us, and he knows that. And then he was like, I just feel like I need a lawyer at this point. Um, I feel like you're trying to pin it on me, like whatever. So he clams up. And they said they could have arrested him at this point, but they chose not to. Instead, what they did was they put a GPS tracker on his car before he left the police station. But he didn't wait them to finish searching his minivan he left and he went and got a fucking rental car guess what they didn't where they didn't put the gps tracker exactly so the gps tracker sat there and he goes and gets a ford focus and for the next 18 hours he completely vanished they couldn't find him they didn't know where he went because obviously they don't have the gps on that And when he returned the vehicle, it had an additional 807 miles on the odometer. Now, my question is, and I know the answer, but he does not have time to look for Susan. But Mm -mm. at all. Mm -mm. But he's got 18 (laughs) hours to drive around. With his phone off. God knows what. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Where nobody can get in touch with him. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you can't use the excuse like, I need to be, you know, where she can get in touch with me or something like that, or where the police can get in touch with me if they find anything. Like, no. And still to this day, nobody knows where he went. Mm. Nobody this knows. Is so beyond frustrating. It didn't take long for detectives to name Josh as a person of interest. While there was a significant amount of circumstantial evidence, the DA would not file charges. 
They said that police would need to wait for 12 months because they didn't have a body. Like, insert eye roll emoji. I'm just so I'm frustrated. You. Yeah. I legitimately just rolled my eyes when you said that. Like I, I did too. Yeah. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Within days of Susan's disappearance, Josh had cashed out her retirement fund, closed bank accounts, and moved everything out of their house. Mm. Which, you know, if you're going to cash in on some things... I mean, you know, God forbid something happens to my husband. Like, I still have to pay bills, you know? Like, I understand that you do have to access these things that you've set into place in case something happens. But he's not even trying to find her. Like, usually when somebody goes missing and you've not found a body, they've not died that you know of, you're going to put your focus on finding them. And holding out hope that they would still be alive. Yeah, not closing out accounts that were in their name because you obviously know they're not coming back. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Investigators searched extensively throughout the routes that they believed Josh to have traveled, including the areas that they knew he was familiar with and that he'd been camping at in the past. Uh, Josh had mentioned sometime in the past to... I think multiple people, that he knew the perfect way to get rid of a body was to throw it down in an abandoned mine shaft. Wow. Why would you say that to somebody? I've never, ever, I've literally never, we do this for a living. This is what we talk about. I have never been like, hey, Torella, that is a perfect way. Exactly. Like, okay, why are you thinking about that? Right. If we're talking about a case, I might be like, well, that was stupid. Mm-hmm. But I've never, ever been like, I have I have come up with the perfect way to dispose of a body because I don't want to think about how to dispose of a body. Exactly. You I'm not no going to that. dispose of a body. Yeah. Like, ugh, whatever. Um, and I mean, it looked like maybe that's exactly what he did because... There are so many mines in that area. So many mines. And they did search a lot of mines. But there were no signs of Susan anywhere. Mm. And Josh maintained his innocence. And he avoided the media. But eventually, um, he went ahead and moved back in with Steve. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes Steve. Nobody likes Josh. No, but- he's, he's moved back in with the person who made his wife so uncomfortable. And the person who... Kept her old tampons and shit. I know it's true, but I didn't want to think about it again. So gross. So gross. So Josh, at this point, becomes kind of reclusive. He was upset that the media had condemned him, which, I mean, I think it's funny that he's, like, pointing the finger of blame when it's like, well, that's kind of your own fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. The interviewer said that he seemed distant. and Or, excuse me, um... On August 24th, 2011, Josh did an interview with Good Morning America, and the interviewer said that he seemed distant and had a hollow stare. At one point, he said, quote, people who know me know I'm a good dad. I was a good husband and provided for him, for them. Susan also contributed. I, how she did not stand up and slap him across the face, I don't know. I provided for them. Oh, yeah, and Susan also contributed. Yeah, I mean, she did a little bit. She was your breadwinner. She did all of the housework. She did everything with the kids. And you sat around and played fucking Dungeons and Dragons on your computer or whatever. I don't think you can do that on the computer. Okay. Maybe you can. I don't know. I don't know. What is that game that people play on the computer? What is it called? Maybe World of Warcraft? Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes. He was playing something on there. And also looking at some weird ass porn. Well, yeah. And playing with his hovercraft. What are they called? Those things, they're... And they go up. Oh, a drone? Yes. (laughs) I like how that was the description. And you were like, oh, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing. And it it goes up. Yep, it's a drone. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Okay. So Steve's also at this interview. Okay. Steve could not handle it. He had to be interviewed as well. And the woman interviewing them was like, I don't know why he wanted to be on the interview so bad. Like, I was like, God, he's just going to be a waste of time. Like, I don't, 
I don't want to interview him. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can get away from Steve Powell, you need to. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because he he makes everybody so uncomfortable. Absolutely. But he ended up being on the interview and it ended up kind of being a big old bombshell. So yeah. Steve said that he thought that Susan ran away with another man. And the interviewer was like, why do you think that? And he said, well, quote, Susan was very sexual with me. She was very flirtatious. We interacted a lot in a lot of sexual ways. No, you didn't. No, this is all, again, you're living a fantasy. You -hmm. think that this happened, but it did not happen. So he tells a story about a family trip to an animal park where he was holding Brayden. And he said that Susan came to take Brayden from him and she pressed her breasts tightly against his hands and wouldn't let them go. Wouldn't let his hands go with her boobs. Well, because boobs, a nipple also doubles as a grip. Got the dexterity, huh? Yes. It yeah. can grab on and not let go. Have you ever, you know how strong a nipple is? Well, you know, in Snap my dad your hands porno, right off. The Duchess's nipples are as long as the three inch rivets, rivets. that held the fateful yeah. Titanic together. <laughs> See, and that's strong. That's very strong. You're I'm right. You, she she could have snapped his hands right in twain. She held his hands down. With her boobs. Yes. And he said it was a cold day and it was a nice warm feeling. Okay. It was cold. And so I was glad that she held my hands hostage with her boobs because it warmed them up. That's a detail that I didn't need to know. No. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever get burnt out, like super duper overwhelmed by maybe like your job drama, family issues, or maybe just life in general? Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more. Burnout for me feels almost like an anxiety attack, but I can't get motivated to do anything about it. It really is a totally helpless feeling for me. Mm. And We usually think about burnout with work specifically, but that's not the only cause. Anything Mm -hmm. in life can lead us to feel burnout. And BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. And honestly, guys, therapy has been super beneficial for both of us. Talking to someone to acquire the tools you need to learn to better your situation, or even just having someone just listen can be life-changing. I am so grateful for therapy. It honestly has changed me for the better. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Killer Queens listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com queens. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash queens. So he also said that he'd read Susan's journals and later Josh boasted to detectives that those journals would reveal everything about what happened. So they obtained a search warrant for Steve's home and guess what they found? Hmm. They found all of his videos of Susan and he had not only filmed Susan, he filmed other women. In a locked file cabinet in Steve's bedroom, they found thousands of images of young girls naked and videotaped without their knowledge. So Steve Powell, I know, Steve Powell was arrested and pleaded not guilty to 14 counts of voyeurism and one count of child pornography in 2012. He would literally like, this freaks me out. Like, I mean, I have wonderful neighbors, but it just made me like think about that because like, from his bedroom window, he could see into these little girls' bathroom and he would videotape them in their bathroom, taking baths, mm-hmm. going to the bathroom, changing. Like, I've never... What's wrong with people? Like, I've never thought about people being able to see into our windows from inside their house. Like, Right. That's disgusting. Well, because why would you? I mean, you know, like, that's not normal for people yeah. to just peek in. Yeah. You fucking peeping Tom. Yeah. And the boys, like, sometimes will just be naked on the back patio. So he'll get an eyeful. Peeping Steve. Yeah. It's like, stop. Stop yeah. doing that. 
So he ended up being sentenced to five years in prison, and he served just over four years of his sentence. And this actually gave the state the ammunition to take Charlie and Braden away from Josh. So on April 6th, the boys were placed in um, Judy and Chuck Cox's custody temporarily. So Josh was, oh my God, he was incensed. He was furious. But how does Steve only get five years for that? I don't know. That's Why bad. does anybody just get anything? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because there's thousands of images. Like, and I think that they can they can tell they can prove that it. I, how we only got one charge? Yeah, of child pornography is beyond. Yeah, because there was a bunch of mm-hmm. images. Like, I don't get it. I don't either. Ugh. So people think that the reason why Josh was as angry as he was was because he was worried that Charlie was going to start talking about what happened. Mm-hmm. So he was interviewed again, and it seemed like to the interviewers that Charlie was being coached. When he was asked about where his mother was, Charlie said, quote, I do not know where she is. She got lost in somewhere. And remember, he's a teeny little kid. He's like four. Mm-hmm. We can't talk about Susan or camping. I always keep things as secrets. I didn't want to talk to you on this long. I mean, on this many minutes. So now I'm done. Okay. I can't talk about Susan. I know. Or camping? Well, and why is he not calling her mommy? Right. We don't talk about Susan. Yeah. If somebody asks you questions about Susan, you don't answer right. them. Mm. I mean, that's telling. Hello. Yeah. So at this time, the boys are the ward um, wards of the state, and Josh was still being allowed supervised visits in a secure third-party facility he takes steps to rent his own home. He began pushing to have visitations at his house, and he argued that since he was away from his father, the same concerns should not be valid. At a hearing on February 1st, 2012, Josh goes in and he's like, woohoo, ready for that W, gonna get him back. Yeah. I've done everything right, and they're coming back to me. Right, and nobody, absolutely nobody wanted him to have his kids back. West Valley Police Department sent the state's attorney a disk of things that were recovered on Josh's computer during the search warrant. And this included cartoon incestuous images. Okay. Why was that not done before now, though? Because they they did, they served the search warrant a long time before that. Steve yeah. had gotten in trouble. And Josh was living with Steve. Wouldn't they have checked his stuff, too? I would think so. Like, isn't that when the search happened? Or do they have to do a new search since he got his new house to make sure? I don't know. But the thing is, Josh was like, I I don't know how that got on my computer. Maybe my computer downloaded it all by itself. Maybe it's, it's a, a poltergeist. Yeah, somebody else did that. Right. Fell out somebody, of your hair I'm that being way. framed. Right. By who? Yeah. So the judge ruled that Charlie and Braden were to stay with Chuck and Judy while Josh underwent a psychosexual evaluation and a lie detector. And the crazy thing is Josh had been able to avoid taking a lie detector test this whole time, but he could not get out of this one. Mm -hmm. And Chuck was nervous because he knew that Josh was backed into a corner and he could not beat the tests. So it was later found out that for the next four days, Josh prepared. Okay, and you guys, this is... Very, very tough to listen to. So if you do not, I don't know. I just feel like we should. No, yes, absolutely. Do a second warning. Like, no, we're going to get into some details about a really, really, really awful tragedy that the children suffered at the hands of Josh. And if that's something that, because I I wouldn't blame you if you were like, not for me, man, can't do it. Yeah. I started swinging my, I'm getting very anxious talking about it, to be honest. Incredibly tragic. Yeah, it is. It's awful. He transferred some finances, donated some of the boys' belongings, and bought a new or a few five-gallon gas cans and filled them up with gasoline. And in the early morning of February 5th, 2012, Josh sent a few text messages and left a few voicemails for family members, basically saying his goodbyes. At around the same time, Chuck went to an early church service since he knew that Charlie and Braden were going for a visit with their father later. And he even recounted in the 2020 that they didn't want to go. Mm-mm. That Charlie had said, I, I don't want to go there today. Yeah. But it was his day, so yeah. no. His rights as a father trump everything else in this situation yeah. for whatever Absolutely. reason. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter that he had incestuous images on his computer 
and we're going to bring the children into his home. Mm-hmm. Yep. The foster care resource network worker, Elizabeth Griffin Hall, parked in front of Josh's home as the boys unbuckled themselves from their car seats and they jumped out of the car. And they rushed towards his door like they always had. And Elizabeth was just a few steps behind them. And Elizabeth looks up to the open door where Josh stood. She says he locks eyes with her, then he slammed the door and locked it after the boys ran inside. Elizabeth is banging on the door. She's ringing the doorbell. She's begging Josh to open the door. And she said she heard him through the door say, quote, Charlie, I've got a big surprise for you. Then she smells the gasoline. Mm. Elizabeth called 911 and told them what happened. And the call taker did not seem to recognize that this was a serious situation. Have you heard the full 911 call? Like they played a little bit of it in the 2020. I haven't heard the full thing. I'll be honest with you. He... So, you know, she's calling and she's like, I'm on a supervised visit and the father just slammed the door in my face and I smell gasoline or whatever. And he's like, you know, she's like, how long will it be until they get here? And he's like, well, man, I mean, they've got to they've got to respond to life threatening calls and emergencies first. And she's like, this is life threatening. Like, I, I think he might do something to them. But he also was arguing with her about the supervised visitation thing. He didn't understand what she was talking about. And she was like, she kept saying, like, I'm on a supervised visit. And he's like, you're the supervisor? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, you can't supervise your own visits. Like, he just kept arguing with her about the supervised visit thing. And it's like, she's like, no, 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 no. I am a social worker. Right. I supervise the visits. This is at the father's home. The father just lost his most recent court battle. And I think he's doing something to them because I can smell gasoline. Right. And she ends up like telling the guy on the phone, she's like, I'm backing out of the driveway because I smell gasoline really, really strongly now. Like something is happening and I'm afraid it's going to explode. And he just was like, you can't supervise your own visit. I don't understand what you're talking about. Like he had no idea. The thing is, he is wasting valuable seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Because if they dispatch this as an emergency in that moment, could police have gotten there and busted in the door? Yeah. You know? Who knows? Yeah. So he said that the next available officer would drive by the home. And Elizabeth, of course, she's like, please send someone quickly. And, you know, basically everything that Torella just told us. And unfortunately, it was too late. Um, an enormous explosion engulfed the house. Elizabeth ran to the neighbors, screaming for help, yelling that there were two children in there. Firefighters arrived on scene to f- a home fully engulfed in flames. <sighs> After pulling, putting the fire out, they found three bodies inside. They belonged to Josh, Charlie, and Braden Powell. All three were dead. Charlie was seven years old and Braden was five. And it's worse. It's worse. The cause of death for all three was ruled as carbon monoxide inhalation, and investigators found two five-gallon gas cans in the house. They believe that one was used in the room with the boys along with a hatchet. Both boys had chopping wounds on their heads and neck. After he incapacitated the boys, he poured gasoline on and around them. Josh then poured the other can of gas around the house. Then he sat on the gas can and lit a match. I mean, these poor boys had gasoline in their lungs. horrible. They were not dead when this explosion happened. No, not at all. There was clear evidence that Josh had planned it out with the intent of killing himself and his sons. And Susan's sister said that she wasn't surprised that she never underestimated what Josh might do to the boys. The Cox family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the state of Washington on behalf of their grandsons. They accused the state of putting Josh's parental rights over the well-being of Charlie and Brayden, which they absolutely did. They didn't include any individuals in their lawsuit. A lot of hate has come under, uh, or a lot of people have misdirected their anger at the social worker, but she did everything that she could. Now, Yeah, she did. She doesn't get to pick where the visits happen. No. I do know that I think it was um, the daycare worker. She has been quoted saying, and it's it's not her fault, But she's like, why would the state put one woman in Mm -hmm. charge of the supervised visit for Mm -hmm. somebody, you know, like, why did they think this was a good idea, basically? So it's not her fault, but it's like something needs to change here. Yeah, there's two children. 
you're putting her basically in the lion's den because this is not a neutral facility. Like it started out that way, but Josh manipulated things and, you know, made them, he said what he needed to say and all this stuff to get it moved to this rental house. And he's like, well, I've moved out of, you know, my dad's house. So this Mm -hmm. is a safe place because I'm not with, you know, I'm not with Steve anymore. So everything's fine. Right. But are we forgetting that the images that were found were on his computer? Like, it doesn't matter that you're not with Steve anymore. Steve is definitely a danger to the boys, children around him. But so is Josh. Yeah. But you are also doing things that make it not a safe environment for children. Why would you not at least, at least have the psychosexual evaluation before you move it? before you move supervised visits to an in-home thing. And like, absolutely. One of the, I don't know, lawyers or people that worked for the state or something was like, you know, it's always ideal to move the visits to in-home as soon as possible. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what he said. But surely to God, there are parameters that need to be hit or criteria that need to be met before you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's like they somebody did not do their due diligence. Somebody did not do everything that they should have should have done or the protocol needs to change. I don't know I don't know which it is, but something has to change here. Yeah. So the state of Washington was found guilty and the Coxes were awarded a significant amount of money. Chuck said he wanted to use the money to help people and save more children. People believe that Josh wanted to destroy the last piece of evidence left, and that would have been his children. It was a systematic failure that resulted in a horrific tragedy. In February of 2013, Josh's brother, Michael Powell, jumped from a five-story parking deck, killing himself. No one knows the reason why his suicide. Many speculate that Michael knew what his brother had done and possibly helped cover up the crime. In July of 2018, Steve Powell died at the age of 68 from natural causes. Many people believe that Steve was not involved in Susan's disappearance, but that he was blinded by his obsession with her and unable to see what his son could have done. Jennifer Graves and Judy and Chuck Cox established the Susan Cox Powell Foundation, which is aimed to help families of missing people and the recognition and prevention of domestic violence. Susan Powell or her remains have never been located. And of course, if you need more on this case, like I do, there is the podcast, which we talked about in episode one. It is called Cold. And season one has, I mean, so much information. Oh my gosh. So yeah. if you need, if you need it all, that's it's the podcast so for you. so good. Because like, there's a lot more information about his brother, Michael. Michael went on some pretty suspicious road trips with Josh during this time. There's a lot of stuff with Michael and um and Michael helped him like sell a car, sell their minivan. I can't remember. There it's been a long time since I listened to it a couple years ago, but Michael was very weirdly involved with some stuff that like, you know, again can't be completely proved, but something was weighing on him. Mhm. I don't know. <sighs> well, if you need me, I'll be listening to cold. So please don't bother me. Yeah. It was really well a lot to do today, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I am ready. I, like I said, this case has grabbed me and I don't know when I'm going to be able to let go of it. So yeah, it's just atrocious and it's horrific and it's, I, I want answers. I think we all do. So if you guys were able to hang in there with us, thank you so much for doing so. If, um, I, if not, you are not hearing this, but I understand. So yeah. No, never any pressure to listen to something that you can't, you can just simply can't. I mean, it was hard to talk about. So, mm-hmm. um, but thank you guys so much for listening. We love every single one of you. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. 
Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.